Welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. We are your morning show for any hour, even happy hour, and happy hour can also be any hour as far as we're concerned. I'm here with my friend Vic Mattis. How are you, Vic? Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm fine. Gearing up for Memorial Day weekend, as you know, gotcha. it's coming up. I am going up for the first of my high school friends. 50th birthdays. Ooh, look at you guys. That's a big one. Mine is not until next year. I know Alex is looking at me like, really? You're not 50 yet? I said, not 60, 50. <laughs> yes, my friend uh, Todd Palladino. And the crazy thing is, up in Jersey, I remember celebrating his 21st birthday. We were all there, usually the usual gang. Right. And that was 29 years ago. <laughs> That's what's depressing. Uh, my prediction is this, uh, this, this, this party, fewer shots of Zambuca. Yeah, I was going to say, will this party look the same? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think we'll be rating it because you know he was that because he's the first one to turn old. That means the rest of us were not of age. Yeah, it's just you know, I feel You're just I'm watching not, him take. I'm notes. not going. Yes, that's that's the official that's story. Definitely that's definitely what happened. Sure. I am definitely not rating his parents' liquor cabinet. That's definitely. <laughs> how are you? Uh, you know what would be? A, I'm good. You know what would be a yes. nice gesture? Yes. Is to take some liquor up to his parents and say, I'm sorry. Oh, this about- is to replace. Yes. <laughs> to replace what they, you know, and it's like whatever you have available. And it's, you know, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but, you know, my parents' bar collection is nowhere near as uh, they were not, they were not serious drinkers. Right. Uh, <laughs> like yours truly. I, I make up for both. <laughs> right, right. But it was nowhere near as extensive or as fancy. They had maybe one or two fancy bottles, but as like my collection of booze. And I don't know if that's a... Thing, if it always goes in that direction, I mean, there could be people, listeners out there who will say, oh, my parents had a great collection. I have nothing. But I tend to think that our brain, our, our, what we possess right. is going to be fancier. My dad, the big scotch in his time was Chivas. Mm-hmm. Well, I think part of, it, part of it is just our selection is far better now. It is. Uh, I think that's right. And that that helps. Yeah. I, f- I feel like my collection is probably similar to my parents in both quality and frequency of use. Like, mm-hmm. we don't make a ton of cocktails, but we enjoy them. And mm-hmm. we have a middling sort of selection what, to deal with. <laughs> yeah, well, what Kate will say is her, what was impressive was her grandparents' booze oh, yeah. collection. Because now you're going back to the uh, 50s, that's a 40s, bar 50s. Cart era, right? That's right. Yeah, it's I a think bar there, was, cart there era. was a dead spot in the middle yes. there where the cocktail was not. No, no, fell you, would off. Fix your, you would go home after work and you'd fix yourself a cocktail. Yeah. Oh, so exciting. What's going on with you? I'm a little punch drunk mm. because yes. I, I've I've been up since three thirty oh. because I hosted the morning show WMAL today uh, in town, a show which I hosted full time about ten years ago, and I was like, I'll do a guest appearance and promote the pod. Yes, thank get, you. Get Larry O'Connor to say getting hammered. Very you kind. know, I got to get all the important Collect people to all say the people it. saying it, yes. So I was doing that, but I had a previously planned dinner out last night. Now, if you're going to oh, get no. up at 3.30 or 4 in the morning, oh, no. you generally want to get to bed at 9-ish, maybe a little earlier. That's how that should work. I did not do that. I went to a tasting menu dinner oh, Mary Catherine. with my friend Guy Benson. I mean, I his, don't blame you. I know. And his husband and Katie Pavlich and Zhang Toy who is our friend who is a an elite fashion designer. <laughs> uh, this is a real thing. Was this in the city? Yes. Can you say where? Yeah, Sushi Taro. Oh boy. Oh, uh, they do that's nice. It's it, it is the it it's so well, I guess a lot of interesting sushi restaurants are like this, like the famous one in the subway in Tokyo. This is above a CVS. Is it still yes, above the CVS? Yes. Yeah, I, I got I had never been there before and I got a great. little like, wait, 
wait, where am I going when I'm walking toward the right, CVS right, that it is stairs. above? I will say, of, of course, any tasting menu situation is a little bit of a splurge. However, very generous on the portions. I was I was you expecting small amount, you know, because when you have uh-huh. a tasting menu, you get like little tiny, like a uh-huh. leaf on a plate yes, and like leaf. some some drawings. Yeah, yes. And no, no, no. Large pieces of sushi, a vast variety, delicious food. I I felt more than full by plus, the time I was done. Plus, I bet there were also bonuses, right? Little little yes. amuse bouches and things, little in betweens, like oh, compliments of the chef. Right? And the price as That's these up. things go was quite reasonable. So you, I I was pleased. Did you? What time was the dinner? It started at eight. Oh, what you, you might as well just have eaten and gone right to the studio. <laughs> Larry, I just I just finished my last uh, glass of a cup of sake. I will say they and, were uh, they were efficient. Ball. They were efficient on the on the serving. Okay, so we were out of there by a reasonable hour, but I did not go to sleep until like eleven fifteen. And a late we'll go night dinner. You're going to be up all night with a late night dinner too, which is crazy. Not me though. I'm very low maintenance really, sleeper. I'd I'm like, see y'all later. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, give us a high, one highlight. What did you like of all the things you had? I mean, the fatty tuna is the uh-huh. That's like melt in your that's, mouth. That's like butter. Yes. That's like butter. Uh, Steve was asking about it because he's not a sushi person. Mm, oh, and, um, <laughs> shocking. I yeah, can't, I know. <laughs> somehow I can just... Like, yeah. get, get that cat food away from me. <laughs> <laughs> not into sushi. But he said, is is the fatty tuna, is it like is it like the Wagyu of tuna? And I was like, actually, that's I think that's basically what it is. It's, it's, yeah, it's pretty expensive. Uh, yes. Yeah. And it's and it's just like buttery and yeah. melts in your Did mouth. Did you have any horse mackerel? No. They also had like a sort of a fried lobster croquette that was delicious. So anyway, yes, a little a little fancy night out, but I had to pay for it both, you know, literally and this morning (laughs) (laughs) when I woke up. So I'm a little punch drunk, but I I feel all right. We made it through. You can you can sustain that for a day. You can't sustain it for more than that. No. And you 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 did Larry's show two days in a row. Two days in a row. Yes. But the other night I, I actually got sleep that night. I was fine. So uh, when you do a show like that, which is five to nine, you mentioned that's a yes. four-hour slot. How much prep do you do? You, how much do they tell you ahead of time? Okay, we're going to talk about it. Versus how much of it is freewheeling, and how much do you actually prepare? Well, I knew that, and we'll get into this, mm-hmm. but I knew that because the dominant news story oh, yeah. of the week is yeah, yeah. the incredibly tragic events in Texas mm-hmm. that we were going to be doing Mostly most that. of that. Yeah. That of course takes up a lot of headspace, just because it's emotional and awful, mm-hmm. and then our discourse makes it more awful improbably. And so you're thinking about delicate ways to talk about this is always hard yeah. to do. And I also am mindful of the fact that media coverage can influence mm-hmm. potential shooters. And so I want to be very careful about how I talk about these things. Yeah. So I knew that that was coming up. So I, I knew that I had to be prepped for that. But Larry, he runs that thing. So I'm I'm just there for color. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I did a show a couple of times, not the five to nine slot, but like an interview thing, and he makes you feel very comfortable. So yes, I'm he sure said very... he said he has you on to talk about booze. Yeah, he did. That's Surprise! Right. That's right. I, know. I, I was blown Anytime. away. I know. Yeah, shocking, shocking. That's <laughs> that's the thing I feel very comfortable. Yes. About, so. Well, now the listeners know they can also okay. hear us here at Getting Hammered. Welcome, welcome, listeners. I said we Stick talk around. about booze all the time. Oh yeah. Come Stick on around. down. You like it? You know, it's like an extra. It's like an extra. It's like two breakfasts, really. Two two morning shows. You have Larry's and you have ours. So to that point, we do we do yeah. have to address the very mm-hmm. sad events of this week in Uvalde, Texas. Very small Texas town, as you all know by now. Nineteen children just devastatingly lost their lives to a mass shooter to a school shooter. 
an 18-year-old, uh, and two teachers as well. And so that community, I just, it's hard to confront the pictures yeah. of these kids, but I want to witness them. I want no. to know who they it's were. Yeah. And then you hear about their interests. And of course, as an adult, your interests would be like, he enjoyed cycling and, uh, you right. know, uh, reading books about such and such. And f- yeah. with them, it's like he enjoyed Pokemon and right. and the swimming pool. And yeah. it's just heartbreaking. The first thing is, as a parent is uh, when you hear these stories is you immediately picture your child. And if, if your child is younger, it's one thing. When your child is older, uh, in my case, I picture how they were like at age 10 yeah. and which is, you know, two or four years ago. But there, it's a big difference. And they're, they're, you know, it's just it's heartbreaking. It really is. And there, I, I followed, I looked into one Twitter account mentioned the, the Sacred Heart Parish of oh, okay. Uvalde, Texas. And we can, we can put this link in our show notes where they're taking gift cards Great. for those mm-hmm. affected, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. when you are in a, when people are in a time of crisis, I know it might sign, sound sort of silly to be like, here's an Amazon gift card, but actually just taking things off their plates so that they can provide for their families mm-hmm. and do the things that they need to do. And they will have to buy all sorts of um, you know, things for yeah. daily living and yeah. for this issue is a great way to support people in the moment while the conversation moves on to doing things that are not in the moment because the conversation very quickly moved as oh as it always does to what the policy implications of this are. And I'm putting that more politely mm-hmm. uh, than the conversation is going. Our discourse in these moments is discouraging at best. I try to stay away from it for a little while and just at least until I get the names and the the some idea of who these people were before I move on to that. But it's hard. It's hard because it's in your face. Um, it's it's interesting because you know the, the gut reaction is let's not politicize this. But then we got to a point very quickly where people decided to embrace the exact opposite and say actually we should politicize this because enough well, is enough. Do something. We got to do something. It doesn't matter what. We must do something. Yes. It's unclear to me what specifically. They right. want to do something. We've got to act. And this well, is Obama. Obama mentioned this and somehow managed to tie in George Floyd. That was a very yeah. strange move by him. He's, he's often pretty decent with the yeah. sort of social IQ about how that should work. Yeah. And what he did was he combined a tweet memorializing yeah. those lost in Uvalde this week with the anniversary of the George Floyd, Floyd uh, incident. Right. And his death, trying to cover all his bases, but and I and I just thought there's there's two things that Twitter people on Twitter should know often. One, sometimes you just don't have to tweet. Two, <laughs> two in the president's case, the former president's case, you can write two tweets. Those yeah, could be just two, just separate two separate things. things. I thought that was very strange for him in particular. Yeah, but anyway, so we we have moved on on the on the discourse, and now let me say of my friends to the left of me on the Second Amendment, mm-hmm. of which I have many because I'm pretty yeah. far right on this. I, If I'm to give the benefit of the doubt to my political adversaries and activists on the other side that I feel like is not extended to me, I start from the assumption that what you want is to not have this happen. Like, obviously, that is yeah. all of, of us. No. And I would hope that the people would assume the same yeah. of me. Unfortunately, that is not how it, it goes often. But that the jumping to the policy is because they deeply and desperately want to do something about solving this problem. Mm -hmm. I understand that. We also need to evaluate what happened, figure out what laws could actually be passed, if any, and how they would actually effectively prevent something in the future. That's 
And those are not crazy things to ask. No, it's not. But people get so whipped up in, uh, in the moment and they want immediate, immediate answers and they're sick and tired. And it is, I mean, and they immediately will turn this against Republicans, obviously, because of their position on the Second Amendment. Right. And there's, so there's all this talk on banning assault weapons. We finally, we need to finally ban assault weapons. Uh, if I learned anything as Steve Gutowski's editor... Is that that is not an actual thing? It's not an actual thing, right? You know, you have semi-automatic, and that's not, and that's not and some like, like gun nerd. No, no, deep deep pull. It just is. It's a made up term yeah. that doesn't actually apply to anything in particular. It's just some cosmetic features of these large guns, right? Uh, and, and they get once again into the whole uh, thing about banning the AR-15, which is a rifle that you have to pull the trigger for each shot. It's not a machine gun. Right. Even though it looks like one, and that is why it's enormously popular. And it's sort of low maintenance, and it's right. for, uh, it's a, it is for it is the most popular rifle for a reason, because it does its job for hunting, right. for self-defense, right. for target shooting. It does all those things well. But I don't think that's a realistic solution in terms of wanting to ban, as they say, assault weapons. Whoopi Goldberg was just talking about this, I believe, on The View, about, you know, report on your neighbors. If you, oh, they have too many guns. If you see okay. them with AR-15s, they're going to come... And and again, basically, what Beto O'Rourke says, we're gonna get your, well, we're coming for them. Yes. And I, thirty six percent, I think, of Americans are gun owners. Well, it's a lot of people. Yeah. So so there's two things. One is that if you are assuming your your political opponents don't care about things like this mm-hmm. happening, which is not true. There, the issue is there are two two issues. One, the issue isn't the gun lobby. Which is what Biden named. When are we going to stand up to the gun oh, lobby? What the, gun lobby? The by gun the way. lobby actually literally went bankrupt yeah. this year. So the gun lobby is less powerful and less pre- prestigious than it has been in a long time. It's a useful meaning, cudgel, but it's not meaning the NRA. Yeah. There's two issues. One, the Constitution, and in order to limit many of the things they'd like mm-hmm. to limit and to just bring down the number of guns in the country, if that is your goal, you you have to contend with the fact of the Second Amendment. Now, whether you think it's a moral thing or not, it is a hard fact that is in the Constitution. And the interpretations thereof have been broad, right? So I don't hear a lot of people arguing that they should repeal the Second Amendment. I think if you want to do that, you should be honest about it or else the legislation is then going to be knocked down. Two, the gun lobby is actually just American people because they own – there are a lot of That's what the lobby consists of, yes. people who are members who feel strongly about the right to bear arms, and they are a member of the National Rifle Association or whatever local or state firearms organization that they're a part of, association. Right. One of the other things that has been talked about is how is it, how on earth is an 18-year-old able to uh, purchase right. a long gun? Now, that's been in the books in Texas for more than half a century, but there was never an incident. School shootings did not become an incident until the 1990s. Right. And prior to that, gun laws were more lax than they very, are now. Very lax, yeah. And, and, and ownership was pretty incredible so, and so, per capita so, as yeah. well. So, so what changed? And it's, it, it's this mental health crisis. Well, and the, yes, the, that's the thing. It's like uh, it's a complicated problem. It's and complicated. to pretend as if it is not right. is, is right. a bad idea. Um, I was actually reading a, an old New Yorker piece on Adam Lanza's father oh. and about how he was raised. And I actually – you know, I follow the news very closely. So I, of course, knew all about the story of Sandy Hook and, and followed it closely. But I didn't remember hearing a ton about his parents. No. And so reading that deep dive was heartbreaking on another level because 
as his father referred to him, he was just a normal weird kid. Like when he was uh-huh. a kid, you know, which you, is that's, a, that's a real thing. We all time. we you, all you, know yeah. those kids. Yeah. And as he hit puberty and hit more challenges, things got more strange. And then he, I thought the father was estranged, but he was estranged only for not a, not a super long period of mm. time. And it was by Adam's choice. He was sort he was distancing himself yeah. from the dad. The yeah. dad wasn't not involved, and he wasn't expressing violent thoughts to his mom with whom he lived. It's like. And who he ended up killing. And who he ended up killing. And so, and he had various, Mm -hmm. you know, on the spectrum Mm -hmm. diagnoses. And his father assumes, like, there must have been a diagnosis we missed. But the point being that figuring out that this person is the person Mm -hmm. who might do this is very so fraught. Right. And then we also, now, of course. no prior criminal record. Right. So that doesn't have, have no bearing on a background check. This guy in Uvalde, whose name we do know, but I will not yeah, say, no. there were signs from him, sure. certainly, including up into and including torture of animals, oh, which I feel like that's serial that killer one, level. Yeah. that one needs to be like uh-huh. big, big yeah. red flag yeah. and hurting himself. Self-cutting. So I am open to how do we figure out that those things need to be red flags and get in the system mm-hmm. and stop people. Yeah. There's also been a suggestion, okay, do we do we cut off the buying of uh, guns at or started at 21 instead of 18. Mm-hmm. I'm sort of willing to listen to the argument yeah, sure. for this. I'm not sure that it passes constitutional muster. I'm not sure how that would part mm-hmm. would work if you're an adult and you're able to serve in the army and we give yeah. uh, several ton vehicles to 16 mm-hmm. year olds yeah. all the time. I'm not sure how that would work. I'm also open to talking about state level sort of um, emergency yeah. holds on, yeah. on guns but they have to come with due process. Right. Right? Like if you that's the problem with mm-hmm. those because if somebody has an axe to grind and they're like this person has firearms and I think they're dangerous. No. If there is no right. due process for that, right. that's really bad. Well, that's like how certain red flag laws work, right? right. Where you have to get a judge yes. to get police to interview yeah, you go so- into a home and, you know, confiscate a weapon. Well, and you're supposed you're to get due process, but we all yeah. know that <laughs> these Depends. things work imperfectly. Yeah. And when you're talking about someone's again, the constitution Mm-hmm. Someone's right. Right. They, they are granted as an American citizen. Right. I don't want those being blithely taken right. from them. Right. The thing about the, uh, as, as you mentioned, there were signs that the shooter was disturbed. The only thing that, that was missing, obviously, was a, a, a family or a community to yeah. react to it and to do something about it. And people knew about certain things, but not other things. He didn't come from, I don't think he came from a a family that was super responsive right. with a mom and a dad, you know, and he killed his grandmother. Yeah. And there's no, uh, I don't know who his friends were. And certainly there's no community. I think about, for example, um, you know, like I'm involved with Knights of Columbus and, you know, one of the other, you know, brothers will say, you know, so-and-so let's keep an eye on him because he's expressed, he's depressed yeah, and right. he's expressed suicidal ideation. Let's check up on him. You know, what, who did, has anyone talked to him today? There's, all these different things, but but being part of like a civic uh, association is, is a throwback. Yes. And this this shooter, you know, the internet is not a community. Right. It, it's not one you can rely on. And that's where he, he lived and dwelled. In that world, it, it, like these other shooters, the video games, in the basement, and the internet alone, it's not good. And it's obviously good. in the last two years, that everybody has incre- was. That behavior has increased, yeah. right? Um we also have in this society, with good reason, a really high bar for picking someone up and depriving of them of their liberty, right? Yeah. Even 
they have a lot of freedom to say things online, to pop off, to to yeah. even commit various crimes. But if they're not put away for long periods of time, then, you know, they, they get a second chance, right? Um, and so we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that I know that it everyone wants to, in, in hindsight, be like, but law enforcement should have figured out this. Is it. Well, they may have, and also they don't have probable cause to put this, That's the thing. to pick this person up. Mm-hmm. And we have safeguards for a reason. And sometimes that our freedoms lead to devastating consequences, but we don't do minority report. Yeah, there's no precog. Right. Uh, you can't predict and then apprehend before the crime is actually committed. I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't know what the answer is. And anybody who tells you that they have mm-hmm. the, the simple answer is probably not telling the truth. I will say, just a, just a contrast in ways one can respond to this type of thing well, publicly. Let me offer uh, Matthew McConaughey. This is his, I'm going to read you some of his statement. I guess he was where he's actually born. He's like a native. As you're all aware, there was another mass shooting today, this time in my hometown of Uvalde, Texas. Once again, we have tragically proven that we are failing to be responsible for the rights of our freedoms grant us. The true call to action now is for every American to take a longer and deeper look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what is it that we truly value? How do we repair the problem? What small sacrifices can we individually make today to preserve a healthier and safer nation, state, and neighborhood tomorrow? We cannot exhale once again, make excuses, and accept these tragic realities as the status quo. He goes on, pays tribute to the to the victims, and says to those who dropped off their loved ones today, not knowing it was goodbye, no words can comprehend or heal your loss. But if prayers can provide comfort, we will keep them coming. This statement, of course, hints at something like gun control that I, I might not agree with politically. But nothing in this statement says to half the country that might disagree with him, I hate all of you. Yeah. And that is a nice way to address things. You're suggesting that some people have done the opposite? There, there, have been, there have been some of those. And again, everybody's emotional with good reason. Mm-hmm. With good reason. I did think that our, our, our buddy Beto, Beto O'Rourke. Bob? Robert Francis? Robert Francis. Over the line on this to me, mm-hmm. there was a, an informational press conference going on. So right. people in their professional capacities. Yeah. Yeah. Governor Abbott in his professional capacity as the governor, is part of a press conference with the mayor and the sheriff of this area in a room in Uvalde with all of with people who have been deeply affected by this, who have lost people. And they're giving the facts of the case because that's something we want to understand. It's a tough job. The press is there to listen to the facts of the case ostensibly. And Beto O'Rourke in what even a CBS anchor was like, this is clearly a staged oh. planned thing. If he's lost uh, CBS. Yeah. Stood up and started berating Abbott, against whom he is running as the Democratic nominee for governor, for not doing anything or the right thing or, I don't know, blood on his hands. I don't think that was actually the quote. But he This was is just, on you. This is on you. He got shouted down by the Sheriff? officials of Uvalde, yeah. Yeah. who had some choice words for him. We'll play a little bit of that clip. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> sit down. You're out of you're out of line and an embarrassment. Sit down. I don't like this. Next shooting is right now, and you are doing nothing. No, you need to get his ass out of here. This isn't the place to talk to this over. This is totally predictable. When you, sir, you're out of line. Sir, you are out of line. I'm sure. You are out of line. Please leave this auditorium. I can't believe you're a sick son of a...
is it would come to a deal like this to make a political issue. To me, correct reaction to Beto O'Rourke in this case. Mary Catherine, let me ask you, do you do you not think possibly that he genuinely was sort of moved to go there and and and, and call out the governor and and this was not some sort of political stunt, or do you think this was 110% a political stunt? Uh, well, the CBS anchor explained how it was orchestrated and oh. said there were two people holding seats for him towards oh, the front so oh, that he could mm. then get up, occupy that seat, and then get up. So, look, I think that he knows that this brings in a lot of campaign money. It brings him a lot of attention. The press immediately turned into a gaggle for Beto O'Rourke instead of, and this is a real tell. Right. If you're there to collect information about this news event, you listen to the press conference by the sheriff and the mayor and ask tough questions of them or the or the mm-hmm. governor. You're welcome to ask tough questions of him. He's yeah, the official here. Definitely. The press pays a lot of attention to Beto because that's advocacy that they're interested in. Yeah. Now, allies of Beto will be like, it is it is not just OK that he did this, but righteous and righteous. wonderful that he did this. And I just think we're trying to get the facts here. You guys can have a debate on another occasion. You're welcome. To, like, that's, that's a thing that's happening. You could even talk outside the building to all the press who love you. But man, I, trashy. Uh, yeah, trashy. It's it, in terms of reading the room or whoever gave him the advice that this might be a great moment. Not great advice. This is his third attempt yes. at higher office. And he was a former congressman, but as you know, he ran, tried to, he lost to Ted Cruz, okay? He yes, lost, he to, Ted lost Cruz. to Ted Cruz. And then he his camp, presidential campaign sputtered. But as you know, as he told Vanity Fair, he was born to be in it. Yeah. And here he is. Well, uh, I, I think as someone said on Twitter, he can always be the governor of Twitter. Yeah. No, I that's mean, what, he'll that's, be loved. That's a lot of where, people are that way. They that would is be the constituency that he is speaking to in yeah. that moment. Yeah. So I just think, ugh, man. And I think you're right. I mean, I, the media will give him a pass on this. I mean, some won't. I mean, yeah, more it, than they would give the other side. Yeah. Although I have noticed it isn't getting quite the fawning that I oh, thought it would yeah. get. And I am glad of that because I, I do think the important information was coming from the stage. And that's what I need. That's what I yeah. need and want to hear. Yeah. Also, on his signature issue, which is gun control, that was the thing that he differentiated himself mm-hmm. in 2019 on a Democratic debate stage, presidential debate stage. He said, hell yeah, we're coming for your yeah, AR-15s. Right. We'll take your AK-47s. But then it turns out when he's running for Texas governor, they ask him about it again. And he's like, I don't know. I don't really have an interest in taking anything. So even on that issue. He if, might change his mind again. Yes. If you're so. if you're pro-Beto because he's so righteously going to take everybody's AR-15s, he's actually not doing that because he's politically calculating what he's going to do at any given moment. I, I don't mean to uh, uh, get you all riled up. I know there are more sophisticated ways to say that i don't think it's gaslighting but can i ask you about the whole door thing the doors yeah okay. I wait now we only have an hour so <laughs> uh, listeners no. you may want to uh, turn the volume down just a little bit okay. okay okay here's the thing guys sometimes the discourse gets so dumb that i have trouble dealing with it and this is today is one of those moments mm-hmm. now we have gone through all sorts of sort of sensible discussions and yeah. proposals that I'm listening to and all sorts of things uh, like emotional reactions versus rational reactions. There's there's one reaction that is a pro- policy proposal that has caused a bit of a, 
a buzz on Twitter. And this is it. I believe it came from Ted Cruz first. In fact, here, I'll, I'll play a little clip of him. Look, the killer entered here the same way the killer entered in Santa Fe, through a back door, an unlocked back door. I sat down at roundtables with the families from Santa Fe. We talked about what we need to do to harden schools, including not having unlocked back doors, including not having unlocked doors to classroom, having one door that goes in and out of the school, having armed police officers at that one door. One door. One point of entry. This is something Ted Cruz said, but uh, plenty of people have said this, including one of the fathers of the Parkland victims, who has been a school security policy guy since then. And he argues, you know, one, one entry point with armed security can be part of the plan for how you make schools safer. I would argue, some people say, don't even talk about school security. The guns are the only thing. Well, I've got news for you. This doesn't require an act of Congress or an amendment change, right? So let's think about these things as well. People on Twitter have decided that they don't understand how doors work in their their clamor for gun control and only gun control. (laughs) They're making arguments like this. This is Karen Tumulty of the Washington Post. Wouldn't building schools with only one door create other problems, like making it harder for kids to get out if, say, there is a fire? Has anyone explained? Uh, Chris Hayes. Chris Hayes was confused about how yeah. this would work as well. Yeah. What was his tweet? I got to pull that up. Uh, similar, but ha- has anyone explained to them finally what how- was meant by this? Because everyone's <laughs> jumping on this. And by the time you hit the late night talk shows, it's all going to be about Ted Cruz having well, a yeah, giant building it, with one oh, door. Oh, yeah, no, no. It's so fun to goof on Ted Cruz. Yeah. But t- what Ted Cruz actually said is one point of entry, armed security. Right. Let's just t- let's even take away the armed security. Let's go mm-hmm. to one point of entry. This is a common practice among yeah, schools It is that you may have other doors. Yeah. Let me explain to those on Twitter who don't understand that that not having one point of entry, one door that everybody goes into, does not eliminate the other doors. We're not cementing the right. other doors. Right, 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 right. Those doors would remain uh, unlocked from inside the building, but generally inaccessible from mm-hmm. outside the building right. so that it would funnel anybody who's trying to enter right. unless very forcefully, yeah. through that easier door. It, so you have one spot. Right. It's, it's not a Who concert, you know. It. Yeah. And I. So. Now, some people say this has practical implications with large schools, of course. Mm-hmm. But a lot of small schools do this easily yeah. and no, successfully. Uh, I know of one uh, locally yeah. where I needed to drop something off and all the doors were locked except for the main one. So you go through the main ones. Oh, Chris says, one door in, in and out of crowded schools. What could go wrong? The doors yeah. don't disappear. The doors, you can exit from yeah. them, but you can't. Noam Bloom put up a picture of a uh, subway turnstile, and he's like, we put a man on the moon, but we can't figure out how to make a, yeah. <laughs> how to make something that can be an exit, but not an entry. Right. Nope. We figured this out, yeah. guys. This is how doors work. Yeah. And so now I'm a, um, in addition to a mask correspondent, I also do research on doors. On doors, yeah. So, but I, I actually, I am. It's gen- a deterrent. It's a deterrent. It's, it's, it's not 100% foolproof. No, Obviously, no, no. somebody can let somebody in from the inside if there is an accomplice or somebody unbeknownst. But in general, when classes are in session and you're trying to get in, you, you can't. Right. And if there's a teacher, they're going to tell you, go around through the well, front. Well, I don't. I don't want my kids going through TSA to go to school. No. A, because no. TSA is ineffective against no. threats anyway. And B, because that's onerous and it, yeah. I don't want to do that to them. But this is a fairly sensible, low-level right. security 
measure mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that doesn't require a lot. And I'm just, I'm a little mystified that people either don't understand it yeah. or acting like they don't understand it. I was, I was wondering, is this a, is this deliberate reductio ad absurdum yeah. or what's the, yeah, I don't even know how you say that. Is that how you say that? Sure. I've only written it. Uh, yeah. That works for me. I took two <laughs> years, so I don't know. It's That's a problem. And of course, everyone feels compelled to throw in their two cents on something they don't fully understand. And if it makes them look ridiculous, they don't care. They got to get their thoughts out there. They got to get their thoughts out there. Yeah. I do wonder what this means for the whole movement. We talked about Obama mentioning George Floyd and all the police reform right. efforts that came after that. Do you remember the whole move to remove public safety officers yes. from schools. And they tried this in Alexandria here in Virginia. Uh, and they voted on it and they patted each other on the back. They see we're doing something to reduce, you know, racism. Right. And then late night session, they brought it back because there was too we, much violence in the well, school. Well, because we had a really rough reentry to school for yeah. many reasons. Again, a complicated problem. But I, to my mind, and again, I don't want my kids being in a, a prison to go to school, but a squad car in the just a squad car in the parking lot is a deterrent a in deterrent. and of itself. Yeah. Um, and it cuts down on some of this. At any rate, I know we're all wrestling with like, how do you protect kids? And this is, uh, people come from many different places. Sure. And I pride myself in being able to discuss these things with them. But there is the door thing. I'm just going to, yeah. I'm just going to stick to the yeah. fact that I know how doors work. And I feel like you guys are maybe getting, it's like, you got to be really smart to be this dumb. When you start th- overthinking doors, I just – it's its like it, – it, what it is is just resistance to any other idea yeah. becoming this silliness. Right. And it's like, okay, just disagree with me. Dis- disagree with me if you want to. But don't pretend you don't know how doors work. <laughs> you need to you – don't, don't go back on Twitter. Give yourself a break. <sighs> a couple hours. <laughs> and there's other things happening in the news. It was, it was Tuesday, which was uh, – Oh, it wasn't. Yes. A, it wasn't a super Tuesday, but it was a Tuesday. No, yes. Let's yeah. Let's segue and and also everybody in Uvalde and anyone who is worried out there and and hurting, our prayers are with you because I think prayers do matter and are powerful. So, um, thinking of you guys. So primary day on Tuesday. We have a couple headlines out of that. We're a little late to the news, but let's just do the we'll do the cleanup. Now we have perfect fifty fifty. You know, yes. hindsight. Oh, wait, one more thing. Can I say one more thing oh, sure. about the – Oh, There was one more piece of this story, to your point about officers. There is what seems to be oh, right. some suggestion that is so far just in one or two stories and reports that local police may have stayed outside the building after initially engaging the shooter, that they, they arrived quickly, engaged him before he went in, but then did not re-engage him mm-hmm. inside mm-hmm. the building. And left him in there for quite a long time. Now, if all there should be a full investigation, and if that all holds up, that's very bad. But it does. The thing that makes me think that might be what happened is that the border patrol guy, yeah. he doesn't answer to that hierarchy, so he goes in he doing the he thing. Was the guy who did it that needs to be done. That's my sort of working right. theory. Don't quote me on that, but it seems to line up if yeah. that's the case, and that would be devastating news. And we will deal with it when we get to it. But I, yeah. Ugh. I, 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 again, we don't know all the details. I really hope that's not the case because that was supposed to be the lesson learned, I believe, from Columbine. Yes. Where they waited too long and those were precious minutes. And so they're supposed to go in, but we don't know. I just hope that's not the case. I know, me too. But we will, we will update uh, as needed, but I don't want to get ahead of us too much. So back to primaries. 
Tuesday, the big story's out of Georgia. Oh, yes. Where both Secretary of State Raffensperger, Brad Raffensperger, Raffensperger and uh, Governor Brian Kemp just walloped, to use a Georgia phrase, walloped the competition in the primaries. Uh, Raffensperger running against Trump-endorsed Jody Heiss and, excuse me, Kemp running against David Perdue, who was a very successful businessman, and then an incumbent senator two years ago who lost, thanks to Trump's election nonsense in the uh, runoff in 2020, lost his Senate seat and then decided as sort of a Trump revenge campaign to run against Kemp, who Trump was mad at for not recounting that election in his favor. He did not find him the votes. He did not (laughs) find him the votes. He didn't find him those votes. And Purdue had the floor wiped with him. Yeah. 50 plus points. It was not close. I hate to imagine what things are like at Mar-a-Lago right now because of that, because I imagine Trump is fuming. Well, and Raffensperger, I believe, got more votes total than Purdue did. The Secretary of State race. Yeah. Turnout was up overall for both Republicans and Democrats. Stacey Abrams still contends that this has nothing to do with the suppression, which is definitely still active, even though it went up threefold. She got like 300,000 more votes than she got uncontested. She got 300,000 more votes than she did in her last run. I don't know how she explains that one. With the with the Purdue Kemp race, again, you knew, Trump must have known it was going bad because I think towards the end he did say something to the effect of he was campaigning harder for Purdue than Purdue, Jeez. and then started phoning it in. So that was one thing, but it must drive him crazy that his two nemeses, right, yes. uh, Kemp and Ravensburger, won handily, and why not? And I'm sure he's going to want to avoid what that what that means, trying to interpret. Georgia voters, Georgia Republican primary voters' choice that they are past 2020. They want to move on because he doesn't want anyone to move on. Well, and then the fun thing about about voters is that they never never go by the sort of clean explanations that we want to impose upon them. Mm -hmm. So in Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, she won by a landslide against her primary opponent. But Raffensperger also won, Uh, I believe, by like 20 points in that district. So- People have different right. philosophies for voting, and they don't fit neatly within the political class's way of, of defining them. Look, I think a lot of this was that those two Senate races, I think people in retrospect know that those were lost for Republicans yep. because of this nonsense. They therefore had no patience for this nonsense another time around. And Kemp and Raffensperger stood by the jobs they were doing, said, we're doing these jobs well, and this is what we're going to do in the future instead of talking about the past. You don't think Trump is going to uh, give in to the urge to somehow want to secretly hope and help Stacey Abrams? Oh, my gosh. You know Do what? You? I almost wish he would because that would push <laughs> well, him. Then that would, yeah, then, then, then his supporters have to make a decision. Yes. Either you're all in for him versus the party. That's the, you, you are, <laughs> I, you know, where, you're, where is your loyalty and your devotion? Put your Stacey Abrams yeah. t-shirt on, yeah. MAGA crowd, and get yeah. out there and do your Because I know, I'm sure he'd rather see her there than, than, than oh, I'm sh- oh, oh, of course. Of course. Oh, man, that'd be quite a, yeah. that'd be quite a look. Know. I'm going to say he, I don't know. I'm going to say he's going to resist the urge. To get involved and say, and he's not going to say the fix is in, don't go out and vote, whatever. He's not, I don't I think, think he's he going to do that. I think that he's going to. A bridge too far. Yeah. I think so. That's that's a sentence that I should never say about Donald Trump. I'm sorry. Okay. That's in, I shouldn't say that. Oh, we'll that's see. A and, bad then, and, then, and then the other race, of course, was in Texas. With yes. Quite so Texas, Texas 
28. Uh, this is incumbent Henry A Democratic Cuellar, primary. One of, the only pro-life Democrat left, I think. Last man standing. Um, who the Democratic Party stood behind, by the way, in this race. Yes, the, the leadership money, did, the party. Uh, spent money on him. However, the squad sort of section of the party endorsed Jessica Cisneros, who's a young woman running against him as a very progressive candidate, particularly in immigration in this border area yeah. where that is... Not the greatest message for voters, but still in the Democratic caucus, these two in the Democratic electorate, these two ran very close together. Uh, My last count is uh, choir up by 175. Right. I'm sure there'll be a recount, right? This is a, this is yeah. very, very close yeah. territory. Do we have the answer from the PA primary primary yet? That is ridiculous. No, Alex is shaking her head. Thank you, Alex, for this research that I didn't do. It's like, it seems impossible that we don't have that information yet, but... We do not have that information yeah. yet. This is just just to show that there are f- fissures on both sides. Oh, yeah, on both sides. Um, including the fact that the head of the DCCC, whose job it is to elect incumbents mm-hmm. and protect them, he is district shopping right now. Oh, because, Sean Patrick Maloney. Yes, yeah. because of the changes in New York. The guy who's supposed to protect incumbents is going to end up running against yeah. one of his own guys. That is a special kind of of breakdown in in party comedy right there. Yeah, the New York Democratic delegation, allegations of racism, you know, intra-party feuding is is quite something to watch. But if you're into politics as sport, then this is an exciting time. Ooh. I would say going back to the Cuellar-Cisneros race, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's tweets against her leadership, pretty harsh. Yeah. Going after them for supporting somebody at this time, and she was making a reference to Uvalde, at this time, that Democratic leadership was backing somebody who was pro-Second Amendment oh, did have, and yes. anti-choice. Well, he's anti-choice. one of he is he is one of very few moderate or conservative Democrats left. I'm I, actually yeah. sort of surprised that the leadership stuck with him. And had he lost and Cisneros won, I think a Republican would that would have been a pickup for a Republican. You can pick that one up for sure. There in that part of yes. Texas, definitely. Okay, so we've we've done a lot of heavy stuff that was today. A lot of heavy stuff. And thank you for letting me yeah. talk about doors, my new expertise. Gosh, uh, here's here's something light, and you have to tell me what, what you think. What you think of this new snack? Yeah. Yeah, A new I, snack I has been born. Mm-hmm. Move over, Burger King chicken fries. Step aside, combos, baked snacks, vanilla frosting pretzel. Oh my gosh! Wow. Meet Oreo times one. Ritz. This week, Oreo and Ritz announced the latest eye-catching snack combination, pairing up the classic chocolate and cream cookie with the salty cracker for a limited-time treat. Inside the newcomer cookie and cracker sandwich, Oreo cream filling smushed along with peanut butter. Intrigued? Intrigued? Intrigued is a way to put it. There's an ongoing joke on the sub-beacon when I say, oh, I find so-and-so intriguing, but this is not the same case, okay? It's not the same kind of intriguing. There has been, I can pick, I can totally picture the marketing strategy meeting over this, which is, you know, there's this been this ongoing fusion between sweet and savory. Right. And it's been happening for some time now. Salted caramel ice cream, dark chocolate with sea salt. And, you know, I'm sure right here in our office in the kitchen, there's uh, probably a donut with bacon probably, on top, which yeah. I would have said that's insane, but it's stuck. And so Nabisco is thinking, if so... This is the next big thing is your, you know, the salty Ritz, the sweet Oreo, the peanut butter and the cream. What can go wrong? I'd say a lot can go wrong. But <laughs> look, would I try one out of curiosity? Sure. Do I think it's going to be the new craze, the new rage? I'm going to say no. And I think we do have to draw the line because I think the only thing left is like Doritos and gummy bears. 
You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? Just, you know. And, That's a texture problem, okay? That's that a texture definitely problem. a texture problem. But, you know, <laughs> what else is left? What do you think? I would definitely try it. <laughs> they threw me with the peanut butter. I, you thought it, it would just be the Ritz if it without was, it. If it was just Like a Ritz, normal a box of Ritz. Like yeah, Ritz, Ritz, Oreo, cream, yeah. then Oreo. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely on board. And I think I would probably like it a lot. I don't love the the peanut butter crackers peanut butter. Now, if it's... Reese's peanut butter. That's another issue. Oh, that's like maybe that, that's maybe not even I... real peanut butter. You know that if you took that, if well, you neither, scraped I've... off the, the the Reese's pieces peanut butter or the you know the peanut butter cup, you put that in the, with peanut yeah, butter but... and jelly. That's ah, not real peanut butter. No, no, no. It's like a, but here's like a here's paste. the thing. I think the paste. the Ritz with peanut butter is reminding me of those orange crackers with peanut butter from grade school that you would oh sure like, like Lance. A little snack the Lance snack <laughs> and I do not like that, that peanut butter. So those are square. I think that's what's coming up in my mind and it's throwing me. Suppose but I would they, definitely try this. Suppose they uh, added a sort of a southern touch to it, and it was Oreo and Ritz with pimento. Gross. Isn't that isn't that a thing? Ritz and pimento, right? Ritz crackers and I pimento s- cheese is that a thing? I say that. Oh yeah, for sure. you people, for for my people. <laughs> yes. How dare you? I do not think that Oreos should be added to pimento cheese in any way, shape, or form. So don't do that. Don't don't let him misguide you. It will mess up your experience of pimento cheese. I will say, in my family, now this is going to get weird. We have a treat in my family that came from my grandparents. And we make it like, I don't know, once or twice a year. And it is this. Ritz cracker, a slice of sharp cheddar cheese on top of the Ritz cracker. So far, so good. Half a marshmallow. Stick it in the oven under broil. And toast the marshmallow. That's that's kind of like some sort of a a hillbilly s'more. Basically, yes. And it is... It's good, really? Delicious. I'll take your word for it. Alex, <laughs> See, would you? That's yeah. what everyone says. It really? Until I yeah, make it until for you make them, it for and them, them, and they're like, oh my gosh. My goodness. Mind blown. You know what? It really I is not know. for my grandparents, but it's pretty good drunk food. <laughs> it's I, like, yeah. oh, it's late night. You yeah, know what I crazy. need? Yeah. And the next morning, he's like, what did I just do? What, what, did, you, I, what did I do to myself? What, what about you, think, you Alex? Alex? So this reminds me of, I didn't know my mom's dad very well because he died when I was very young, mm-hmm. but a treat that he apparently would make for himself and my mom and her seven siblings when they were young was taking an Oreo and opening it and putting a, you know, a peanut butter on the Oreo. Yeah. Um, so you're practically, they practically invented this almost Oreo. There. We're almost there. The Ritz, the Ritz... I don't know. There's there's too many elements going on. Mm-hmm. I think you need to remove remove one of the four mm-hmm. elements, and I think I could be on board. Okay. Yeah. I want to have I have a special uh, call out today. Okay. To Alex Nestor. Oh. Listeners who probably don't know this, Alex is moving on to bigger and better things, and we are going to miss her here as our producer. Terribly, she's been indispensable yeah. and. A hundred and ten percent reliable. Gen Z with a heart of a Gen X. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to that's Thank a good you. that's a good way to put it. But I do believe you might be coming on maybe for one or two more episodes. Maybe next Thursday because I okay. told the other producer I'd help him out. But uh, well, yeah. if you're ever free, come back and I will. Just, yeah. Thanks, guys. This the is show awesome. will not end, but the show will not be the same. Yeah. The show it, must go on. Yes. It wasn't possible. It would not have been possible without your help. So thank Aww, you. Very much. I appreciate that. On that note, uh, that wraps up another edition of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I am at MK Hammer on Twitter and Substack. You can find me at MK Hammer Time on 
the Instagram. And uh, thank you for dealing with my punch drunkenness. Thank you for dealing with my rants. And for all the feelings and all the seriousness of this particular podcast, be nice to each other out there. Even if you disagree, it doesn't make it uh, better in terrible situations when we treat each other badly. So keep that in mind and uh, have a good week, guys. Thanks for being with us. This is Nebulous Media Podcast. Okay.